Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. Wow, that took a whole long time to get to, to get to shut off the radio. Sean Palmer, Seth Kamins, us here, you there. Well, Seth in, Seth in New Jersey, Sean New York, at least for the foreseeable future. And here we are, BackSportsPage.com, Blog Talk Radio, Seth and Sean Sports Radio. And I had a wonderful weekend. I spent it up in Syracuse for homecoming, brought my nephew up to Syracuse and found out one undeniable thing about my nephew. Seth, can you guess what that is? One undeniable thing. He's a Georgetown fan. He has absolutely no interest in football. Zero. <laughs> none. Absolutely none. We get up there. He is all excited. First, he was excited to take a trip with Uncle Sean, which is great. And I'm like, all right, we're going to go to a football game. He's like, yes, I want to go to a football game. Then I told him we're spending the night in the hotel. And he's like, yes, I'm spending the night in the hotel. And then I surprised him with the fact that there was a pool. He's like, yes, there's a pool. We got done with the pool. He's like, when are we going home? What? When was the football <laughs> game going to happen? But that's really the way that it worked. He, he, he was okay getting on campus. We, uh, for those that have listened to the show, you know that I am a former member of the Syracuse University marching band. We went to the practice. He was fantastic. He's running around the dome. And then he's going... Where's breakfast? Well, breakfast, Caleb, is when the band is done, we will do breakfast. I want, I'm hungry now. Can we, can we go and get some breakfast? So I go up to the leader who's manning the breakfast, and, you know, I got to give my, my nephew some props. He would do exactly what Jake does. He puts on that little charm, and all of a sudden he's got himself a chocolate chip muffin, well before everybody else. Then we're done with that. We start walking around campus. He's like, why are we still here? Well, we, we have to go get your brother and sister a gift. Great, we get them a gift. Can we leave? Um, Caleb, there's a football game. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, okay, can we go for lunch? Yes, Caleb, lunch is at the football game. Oh, okay, so we get into the dome. We're ready to watch the game. He goes, Uncle Sean, I need lunch. We get lunch. We sit back down. The first thing Caleb says is, this game is going to go to overtime, and Syracuse is going to lose. <laughs> well, thanks, Caleb. I appreciate that. So, of course, Syracuse gets out to a rotten start. They come back. They, their quarterback gets benched. Caleb looks at me and says, told you so. I was like, you're not even watching the game, and you're telling me I told you so. He's like, when are we going home? Like, that's all he's thinking about. So, of course, Syracuse messes up. North Carolina messes up. It was an ugly game. But wouldn't you know it, they go to overtime. And Seth, Caleb, all Caleb is doing, Seth, he hasn't watched one play of the game. He is people watching, 100%. He is, he's got his face turned the opposite way, and when something happens, he looks at me and goes, Uncle Sean, what happened? 
Um, Caleb, watch the game, Caleb. Yeah, 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 not important. There's a, there's a hot dog guy over there. And then, of course, we get to overtime, and he looks at me and goes, told you so. And of course, North Carolina scores first. And he goes, what happened, Uncle Sean? I go, North Carolina scored. He goes, told you so. He's like, you guys are going to lose. You know, so Syracuse wins in overtime. I'm a very happy camper. And he looks at me and goes, I said, Caleb, you know, we went to overtime. He's like, I know. I said, you know, Syracuse won, North Carolina lost. He goes, I don't care. I was like, really? You are your brother's son. Just to say something that pissed me off. Just at the time. So we go to Tully's. Tully's is the place where you go when you want food after a game. We go to Tully's. We have chicken fingers. He's like, Uncle Sean, are we going home yet? Yes, we're going home, Caleb. He's like, good, because I'm tired. I'm like, Caleb, what did you do today? He's like, I don't know, but I'm tired. So I'm going to go to sleep. Wake me up when we get home. Excellent. Now, Seth, I can only hope that when you take your son to, your first Mar- to his first Maryland road trip, he is a, just a tad more interested in the game than my nephew was. Because for You're all kidding, the glitz right? and glamour of going to the game, the only thing that he will remember from this entire trip, he will remember two things. He will remember it was a very long car ride because he said he never wants to go back, except if he goes to school. And number two, he'll remember the fact that there was a pool at the Hampton Inn. Memory. Okay. Now, contra- contrarily, we have my son. Contrary. 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 Well, I'm not sure if it's, con- or it's to the contrary or contrarily, not just contrary. Okay, fair. My son, all he really wants to do is play sports and watch sports. I know that. With, with an occasional Daniel Tiger uh, cartoon and Sesame Street in there. So... We watched every time we watched some of the Nets Knicks game, and every time that uh, someone made a shot, regardless of the team, he went good shot. And he can. I'm. We're gonna probably take him to his first basketball game this year, and I think he's going to enjoy it. Um, I, I could be I, wrong. I hope he likes it. I hope he likes it more than the pool. Welcome back, my friends, to the show never... um, well, there won't be much of a pool, so I don't really have an answer for you on that. I don't think Brooklyn. I don't think Brooklyn has too many pools. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just don't look. Syracuse wins. I'm a happy camper. My nephew had a great trip. I'm a happy camper. Will I probably take him back to Syracuse anytime in the near future? I will tell you, I might take him back for a basketball game. You know why, Seth? Can you guess why? Because Syracuse has a pool and he wants to go back to the pool? No, there are 33,000 people he can look at. Fair enough. We didn't get 33,000 at the football game, so maybe he'll just have more people to look at. I, I, I just don't know. It boggled my, it was, I was so thrilled to take him. We really did have a good trip. It was a good well, bonding experience. But did other Jay, than that... Did, now, but are, I guess my question is, are Jay and Amanda... I mean, they've never struck me really as sports fans. Well, to be fair, my mom and dad didn't know what a first down was when I was growing up. So you can become a sports fan without having familial members. Nobody in my family, my grandfather, my grandmother, my aunts, my uncles, nobody knew anything about sports. I have no idea where the blonde hair and blue-eyed kid, that, that the most Aryan-looking Jew alive, 
and sports fan came from this family. So maybe I was just hoping. Maybe I was hoping there was another anomaly like myself, and I am an anomaly. I get it. Oh, that you are. Yes, that I am. But, ladies and gentlemen, we are, aside from the fact that you just recounted my entire trip with my nephew, we are doing our five best moments in sports at the bottom of the hour. And we'll lead in with a little of uh, who I believe is the best play-by-play announcer of all time and his favorites, which was Vin Scully. But this is the 30th anniversary, or last week actually was the 30th anniversary, of Kirk Gibson's home run off of Dennis Eckersley in the 1988 World Series. And for many Los Angelians, that was a good word, Los Angelians, no matter what happens in the World Series starting, I believe it's tomorrow night, none of it will pay, all of it, I'm sorry, all of it will pale in comparison to that night. From understanding and reading all about that game, it was like a rock concert that nobody wanted to leave at the end. So that you would probably put in most Los Angeles history as the number one, their number one moment. We're not talking about a game. We're not talking about your favorite game that they win at the end, unless there is a moment like Bill Mazeroski in which you win at the end. It has to be a moment, a moment in time. And Seth and I have compiled our top five. And we hope to hear yours as well at 760-283-0846. For the moment, for the moment, Seth, let's, let's predict the World Series. So we have the Red Sox at home in games one, two, six, and 7 uh, against the Dodgers. Probably the best two teams overall in baseball this year. You can make a contention for one or two others in the mix. I, I don't know how you go right down. I don't know how you can make a contention that the Dodgers were one of the two best teams in baseball this year. No, I think they're, I don't the, know how best, you they're the best. I think I'm contending that they are the best team in the National League. That's different. But they were That's not what one I mean. of the two, the two baseball this year. No, my point. Sorry, the two teams that best represent their their leagues in the World Series, not the two best. You are absolutely correct. I'm correct. I misspoke. The two teams that are the best representatives of their leagues in the World Series. I don't think there, there may be one or two teams you might put in instead of the Dodgers, but the Dodgers are as good as anybody, and they certainly have the best pitching staff in the National League to go forward. So one, two, six, and seven, which means the DH being played, J.D. Martinez playing DH in the National League, and from rumors and Maybe a little bit of truth going on here. Alex Cora may be playing Mookie Betts at second base for games three, yeah. four, and five. Where do you think that this comes out? How do I think this? What do you mean? When do I think this? They're going to tell. They're going to discuss it. I don't. Or how, I don't understand the question. What is your prediction on the series, my friend? Oh. Um. Dodgers in six. Um, I just, I, you know, look, I don't think the Dodgers are one of the four best teams in baseball this year. I know the four best teams in baseball, to be perfectly honest, were the four teams playing in the ALCS. Um, but I kind of get the feeling that the Dodgers are just on one of those kind of roles. 
Um, Boston's pitching scares, starting pitching scares me. You know, Sale being injured, you know, coming back from an infected belly button ring or whatever you want to call it. Um, David Price, yeah, he's had one good start out of 12. Um, it's, I, I, I don't see it. Um, as good as their hitting is, Dodgers hitting has been pretty solid as well. Boston, Kimbrell has not been great. The Dodgers have a better staff overall. I'll be honest, I'm going to watch as little of this, a little of this World Series as possible because neither team remotely interests me. But I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the Dodgers in six. Okay. Well, I'll tell you, if, you, if the Dodgers do win in six, Clayton Kershaw will finally – look, Clayton Kershaw has been the best pitcher in baseball for the last decade. But even I believe that he is a little underappreciated. I really do. Being a, Maybe it's left coast bias, west coast bias, but him winning a clinching game six perhaps will bring him by far the accolades that he deserves. He is a first-time Hall of Famer, but I still believe he is underappreciated in the, with Max Scherzer and some of the other pitchers that have come recently. His, his last 10 years are Kofaxian. And that's the yes, best uh, the best compliment you can give any pitcher is to be compared to Sandy Koufax. And I do that, and I don't do it begrudgingly. Look at his stats, ladies and gentlemen. He has been that good. And I remember when he played against the Mets, uh, I was at the only National League Championship Series game that they lost. And they played Clayton, uh, Clayton Kershaw pitched against him. And there was not the one thing that Mets fans were looking at that entire game, and I think I talked about it on the show later that week, we were counting his pitches. We weren't counting hits. We weren't counting runs. We were telling every single batter, we were yelling at batters to take pitches to get him out of the game quicker because we knew that against anybody else in that rotation, we would win. Mets fans believed that they would win. And it was true. We did. We beat him everybody else. But that, my friends, that is the mark of an amazing pitcher that the entire, the entire crowd was the only stat that they were looking at the entire night was the pitch count until he was out of the game. And by then it was just too much. But I believe I'm going to go against you. I'm going to say that the Red Sox win in seven. You are correct that – I don't have any faith, like you, in the Red Sox pitching staff, but I don't think I need to. I think you can win by bashing the crap out of the ball, as been the Red Sox mantra all year. And, look, one through nine, one through ten, they're the best team in baseball. They've been there all year. And I agree that you can win on getting hot at the right time but the Dodgers went seven games with Milwaukee. They weren't that hot. So I'll take the Red Sox in seven. And I'm looking forward to see Mookie Betts, who has played some infield, try and turn a double play. I really am. I'm looking forward to seeing those. I think the, the, la, the last guy that really – if memory serves, and look, we're all talking about memories tonight. If memory serves, the last guy that really – the last center fielder or right fielder that played infield consistently for three straight games 
was Mickey Stanley in 1966, 68. So 68. I don't remember. I don't remember any other infi- outfielder playing infield. And Red Sox, the Red, uh, sorry, the Tigers won 68. So maybe that'll take place again. Okay, we had a very interesting college football weekend, especially if you were a Michigan fan. As I noticed, my entire Facebook wall blowing up while <laughs> I was in Syracuse. Wisconsin loses to Purdue. Not Wisconsin. Purdue lost. What? Well, not Wisconsin. Ohio State. Ohio State lost to Purdue. Sorry. Ohio State lost to Purdue. I believe Purdue lost like week two, right, to some other like very lesser-known team? They lost to Eastern Michigan. I lost to Eastern Michigan. So does that mean Eastern Michigan's in like the top ten right now because of the loss to the loss to the win? No, probably not at all. on that, Maryland should just about be in the BCS, or should be well, yeah, the top five. over Texas. Yeah, went absolutely. Over Texas. Look, let's let's play it that way. You're in the top five. We're still in the bottom twenty, and you can play Appalachian State in the in the first in the final four because they made an appearance in the top twenty five this week too. Probably for the but first Ohio time since the the, no, it's the, the first, first time, time ever. Deshante Edwards led them over Michigan. No, they weren't in the. They weren't in the. Top, I don't believe they were in the top twenty-five that year, because they weren't. No, they were in the. They uh, were. They were Division Two. They were a Division point. Two team. Yeah, they were a Division Two team. So this shakes up the entire bowl, whatever's championship you want to call it. In that Ohio State takes a plummet, Clemson beat the crap out of North Carolina State solidifying their spot. Alabama is solid no matter what they do. And Notre Dame is creeping up and up and up into that upper echelon. And Notre Dame comes to Yankee Stadium, plays Syracuse on the 18th. Uh, I think it's the 18th or the 19th of November. What are the chances of Notre Dame sneaking their way into the top four at this point? Oh, I think they're good. Um. They're they're there right now. If it ended today, Notre Dame would make it. Mm-hmm. And there's no really good team left on their schedule. So, in my mind, right now you have the three top teams are Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame. And then you have a four or five team combination LSU, Michigan, Oklahoma, you know, even if you want to throw Central Florida in there. Um, Texas just isn't going. There's no Big 12 team that's going to go other than Oklahoma. I don't think. You know, Texas beat them. Um, you know, if Ohio State comes back beats and beats Michigan and then wins the Big 10, they'll at 11-1, and they'll pro- they could probably very well go in. You have three teams that are solid. Now, the question with Notre Dame, Clemson has a walkthrough for the most part. Because they can lose a game, most likely, and still make it. Notre Dame's last five games, Navy, at Northwestern, Florida State, Syracuse, at USC. They'll be a, six, they'll be a pretty heavy favorite in all those games, although there are some, you know, Northwestern's an issue. USC has been terrible this year. But there's no reason to think that they're not going to go 12-0. And if they're a 12-0 Notre Dame team, there's not even a discussion. 
Even at 11-1, they all have a decent shot. So. Really, a one-loss team without a national, without a conference championship, you believe would have a spot, a shot. Here's why. Even a- Here's why. Okay. Yeah. Because they would have beaten a Michigan team who's going to who's top five. Stanford was number seven when they beat them. Virginia Tech was ranked when they beat them. No, except for Michigan, all these teams and games have been pretty, pretty decisive. Now, again, it also depends how the rest of the league leagues play out. Sure. I would take them it over two losses. It also depends on who they lose to, right? Because I mean, yeah, if they lose well, to, yeah. if they lose, uh, look, I I don't think we're that bad, but I don't think we're that great. And if they lose to Syracuse, say forty-five to ten, then they would be out. It would, they'd be out, right? I mean, that's that's I'm a more under the okay loss. thirty-seven, thirty-four in overtime kind of game. I'm not okay. Fair enough. They could lose one. I don't think they're going to be blown out by any of these teams. Okay. I mean, I could see that, and I I think, look, I think coming down to Sir, coming down to New York is a hard game for any team. Um, playing in a different type of arena, right? You're playing at Yankee Stadium, just a different type of atmosphere. So much so that the tickets are two hundred dollars a pop. I will not be attending if they are that expensive, and. That's saying something, but and it's going to be really cold. Um, I'm used to the dome. I'm used to the dome. I really like inside football. It was so. I have to tell you, it was so nice. It was so nice coming from 40 degrees and going into 70 degrees in in the dome. I miss those days that I can watch inside football. But anyway, yeah, I don't believe that we're gonna that we're gonna whitewash anybody. But look, I give us a shot. It, at, at Yankee Stadium, yeah. we've played with Clemson. We play up to our competition. We play down to our competition. But at the I, same I, point, you gave Clemson a hell of a battle this year. You beat them last year. Um, yeah. If you, but well, I, I certainly couldn't favor you. But yeah, you'd have a shot. No. All right. No, no, we're not, we shouldn't be favored. We actually first have to take care of North Carolina State, which is a prime time game this weekend. Against uh, at the dome at seven o'clock, and I'll be at the Luke Bryan concert with my niece and nephew. At the what? Oh, the things I get. Yep, yep, you heard that right. I will be at the Luke Bryan country at Barclays country music at Barclays with my niece and nephew. The things you do for love of your niece. And I nephew. wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So there right, we I gotta disconnect. So, I gotta disconnect for two minutes while I walk downstairs to my car. So I will call back in, in two or three minutes. Okay. Hello? So that's where we're at, ladies and gentlemen. So so we have for those two to three minutes we will play Vin Scully's top five or top ten um best moments in sports as he descri- not as he describes them, but actually as he calls them. So here is Vin Scully, and we'll get back to that at the top of the hour when Seth returns. Robinson kind of shaking up the ballpark a bit as he dances down off third. Robbie's coming to the plate. The throw to Barra. He steals it. Go back set. And the pitch. Fastball. A big bouncer down to Wills. He has it. Goes to Burrite. No hitter. It is 9.46 p.m. 
two to Harvey Keene. One strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung on and missed a perfect game. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. From the championship by the Oakland A's. Fingers deals the comebacker. Fingers has it and throws the first. And wait a minute, there's an animal loose. Two of them. All right. I'm not sure what he's doing out there. It looks like he's going to burn a flag, and Rick Monday runs and takes it away from him. Aiken's a big left-hand batter, and he swings and hits a drive to right field. Back goes McBride, away back, it's gone. Third and three, Montana looking, looking, throwing in the end zone. Little roller up along first, behind the bag, it gets through Buckner. You can taste the pressure here in the dome as Alejandro straightens up. And the fifth to Larkin. Swung on a high fly ball into left center. The run will score. The ball will bounce for a single. And the Minnesota Twins are the champions of the world. Fastball hit in the air to left center on the dead run as Grissom. He's got it. And the Atlanta Braves are the champions of the world. Is this something? I mean, do you love baseball? There's not a thing the Yankees can do. They can't have the quarterback kneel down on the ground. They can't freeze the ball. Sooner or later, they got to throw it. Three and two, two down, the runner's ready to go. Lemke backs out. Wetland gets back out on the rubber. Wetland ready. Runner's going. Three, two, swung on. Another foul ball. Ladies and gentlemen, that was a collection of some of the highlights. Like I said before, we're naming our top five highlights, Seth and I, top five moments, sports that we have been a part of or we remember. Uh, we can name the top five in sports history, but then you would include the 1980 U.S. Olympic team or keep going back to some of these greats that Vince Scully just described, including a steal of home plate by Jackie Robinson, the final two outs from Sandy Koufax's no-hitters, Hank Aaron's 715th home run off of Al Downing. The A's clinching the 1974 World Series. Rick Monday saving the American flag, which was, being, which was almost burned. Willie Aiken's home run in the 1980 World Series against the Philadelphia Phillies. The catch, like I said, most of these are baseball, but the catch from Joe Montana to Dwight Clark over the Dallas Cowboys. The Mets Game 6 comeback in 1986 with Bill Buckner. Kirk Gibson's 1988 World Series home run, which we just explained. This is the 30th anniversary of that. The Twins winning the World Series with Alejandro Pena on the mound. The Braves winning the World Series, their only World Series in the 1990s. And the Yankees winning the World Series in the 1990s as well. 
with Charlie Hayes squeezing the glove to make the final out. All of these great moments in sports, some of which Seth and I witnessed on TV or otherwise, and some of them just before our time. But we have ourselves written down the top five moments in sports that we have. And Gibson's home run, Seth, while not exactly a great moment for me, like I said, I watched it live. And it was a, look, to quote Phil Rizzuto, a holy cow moment in sports. It was something that you don't use the word unbelievable very much. But with him struggling to come up to home plate and barely being able to swing a bat, barely being able to run, it seemed like that was just a moment that that was just stopped in time, that he was able to do that. And even more impressively to me, circle the bases, because he didn't look like he had two legs when he was at the plate. You were, wait, your parents let you stay up at age 12 to like 11 o'clock at night to watch the Gibson home run? They actually did. You see, I said before that baseball and sports were not a family pastime of my family at all, which also meant they had no clue what time things started and what time things stopped. (laughs) They had no idea that, look, the first time I remember telling my mom it was the two-minute warning in a football game was on Thanksgiving. Now, my family went to Thanksgiving dinner. We went out. Every year we went out for Thanksgiving dinner. Like, good Jewish people, we can't cook. So we went to a club where we had, I had prime rib for the first 15 years of my life on Thanksgiving. I didn't even know that turkey was a thing until later on in my life. So we, had, we went to this golf club, and there was a candy room which had all the desserts. And every 10 or 15 minutes, I would sneak into the candy room, and on the other side of the candy room, was the TV room, which was always where the football games were being played. Nobody else in my family cared except for me, who was playing on the football game. So one time I remember my mom finding me in the, in the TV room, and she gave me a look, and I said, Mom, there's two more minutes left in the game. Let me just watch the game. I'll be back to dinner in no time. Well, my mom came back 20 minutes later, and there were 13 seconds left on the clock. And at that moment, she finally realized that the two-minute warning doesn't mean at all two minutes. <laughs> so, so, yes, Seth, my mom and my dad, while they loved me and loved the fact that I loved something other than what everybody else did in our family, had no conception that nine innings was three hours long. They had no, when we first started. Later on, when we finally started really going to games, they understood it. But we knew hockey. Hockey was over in three hours. That was it. We were home in three and a half. But other than that, there was no conception of sports time. So I did get to see Gibson's home run live, at least on TV, okay. but at, at, now, at the time. As, as an add-on, uh, Sean did come to my family's house once for Thanksgiving and was at a very nice time. Until the Jets Patriots game was on. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. Here we go. My this father came down okay. laughing. At, uh-huh. And then I left. Bus fumble. fumble. And then what? Sean just turned to me and goes, I can't take this. I'm leaving. And he left. How many, how many of your top five moments 
were you present at as opposed to watching it on TV? None. Okay. So I got two. So I'll, I'll, I got two out of the five that I was present at. So, so I don't have them in a list of, of most to least. I'm not sure if you went down that road. But I, I just no, picked out the five moments. Okay. It's the, okay, five, so, it's the five moments where I ran to, to type something on Facebook of, or called you of, oh, my God, I cannot believe this just happened. Well, I've only known was, you for 10 years, so that means that you had none before me? Facebook wasn't before you either. I, the, no, the, I understand the, that. Uh, actually, wait, let me think. At least one of the five, because I'm driving, so I don't have the list in front of me this very second, but I'll pick it up when we start to do it. At least one was before you. Okay. Um, so, two were not. Three were not. The fourth, I have to take a look. I don't remember. So, so, Seth, I'm sorry to say, but every single one of these was before I met you. Every single one. I had no, I had no, so, I've had no impact on your life anyway, so that's, a, that's not surprising. <laughs> so nothing in, nothing in the last 10 years, which it's amazing with the amount that you watch and the amount that more sports is on TV, that I'm actually surprised that none of the, none of the five were in the last 10 years. But, okay. So let's go to number one. Number one for me is pretty simple. It's Bill Buckner. It's the ball going through Buckner's legs. I don't think any, any Mets, every Mets fan will be able to tell you where they were when the ball went through Buckner's legs. They may not be able to tell you anything else about that World Series. I can tell you where I was for every game, and there were different spots. But everyone will be able to tell you where they were during Buckner. At the Buckner. I know where I was. I was sound asleep. <laughs> because it was because it was about eleven I, o'clock at night and I sit downstairs. At night, I was ten years old. I was ten years old and I'm a yep. Yankee fan. Yep. I, I, I gotta tell you, I snuck at my mom this is one of the few times I remember my mom telling me to go to bed. Because I think it was a weekday night and I snuck down to my basement and watched it on my dad's my we had a concrete floor but we had a leather Easy, lazy boy in the middle of that concrete floor with a 13-inch TV and no, no cable. We had satellite, uh, sorry, satellite. We had antennas, and it, was, and it was a very, very interesting image of uh, coming through the TV, the colored 13-inch TV. But I woke up the whole house. I'll tell you that much. The entire house I woke up that night when it went through Buckner's legs. Okay, so that's number one. So what do you got? Number one, again, not in any order. The right. kick set. Auburn returning the, the field goal against Alabama 109 yards to beat potentially Alabama's greatest team ever in the Iron Bowl. I have never screamed louder. Okay. I don't think I've ever screamed louder. For, for a game that doesn't matter to you. Well, that's it. None of these games per se. There's no Yankee game here. There's no uh, Maryland game here. This is just true love of sport. This is not a favoritism game. Okay, so I'll tell you, mine is not a favoritism game either, but it seems like every single one involves my teams. Because, well, the two that I was there, it's a little bit different, right? Because if you're there, then you're obviously there for a reason. But the other three were the oh my god moments 
And in all likelihood, look, I didn't see the pick six live. I saw it later. I, I said, oh, my God, that. But I didn't see it see, live. Everything I have here, I saw live. That's okay. why it can't be an oh, my God, if you didn't see it live. It just doesn't work Agreed. that way. Agreed. Okay. So number two was LJ's four-point play. Against Indiana. Against Indiana. Because if you're a Knicks fan and you're watching that game, and again, I know exactly where I was. I was college house, behind the couch, pacing back and forth. Remember exactly where I was. And you had given up on the game. You're down four. You, you got, I think it was like three seconds left, and, and LJ throws it up. And you're not surprised he hit it. You're surprised they called the foul. And it goes in, and you're like, whoa! So, okay, so that would be number two. Okay, number two. This is the only one that was before my, that was before you or before Internet. And still one of the five or six greatest sporting events I've ever seen. Christian Leitner to beat Kentucky in the Eastern Regional Final in 92. Yep. I know where I was. I know what I was doing. And I remember actually, you know, I forgot about that, but I remember falling down when I saw it. So yep. that would be definitely something that would be – I was at a restaurant that no longer exists on Long Island. I think it was called – I was Sporty. in the basement, and I could hear my parents screaming watching it, and, and as did I. See, that's the difference. Like, like your parents. My parents were huge exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that, you know, it, it's interesting when you grow up in a family of, I won't say non-sports fans, but just ambivalent, right? I mean, they, they my mom became a football, my mom knows football now. She can watch football. You know why she can watch football? Because Bob watches football? No, she's beca- she <laughs> had to endure how many football games while I was in the marching band? She had to go to bowl. She went to bowl games when I was in the marching band. So at one point, she started pestering people to teach her about football because unlike my eight-year-old nephew, she's there. She doesn't want to people watch. She actually wants to follow the game. Now, if I asked her today about football, it's 20 years later. I'm sure she's forgotten a little bit about it. But at the time, after the games, I remember her coming back and talking to me about football, which – that may have been more shocking than anything that happened at the game. Is that my mom <laughs> would actually have a conversation about football. Okay. Uh, number three. Steve Brominski's tight end. Uh, tight end. He was a tight end. Touchdown versus Virginia Tech. So, Virginia Tech led with my, by Michael Vick. Donovan McNabb leads Syracuse. It is, the game is at home. The game is in the 40s. And Syracuse is down I think we were down four or five, so it couldn't, have been, it couldn't have been a field goal. You had to throw a touchdown. And I've never – Seth, I, I've been in many football arenas, football games. I've been in many basketball games at the Dome, which has more crowds than I can ever think to have. I've never heard a louder arena than this, ever. I had three broken ribs, and I was remarking about this this past weekend – McNabb comes around right. The entire team goes right. And you know where the tight end is going, right? 
Yep, he's going the exact opposite right direction. The, into the corner, right? So Steve yep. Brominski does a very good, well, I guess Tony Gonzalez does an impersonation of Steve Brominski. Because Brominski's a little <laughs> older than Gonzalez. But the box out, right? You don't have, you don't lay hands on anybody, but you just put your arms out, and if somebody else wants to come and take it, they can take it. But you're boxing out the opponent in the corner of the end zone. We're on the far side of the field, the opposite side, and we're just watching this unfold, knowing exactly what play was coming, because this is McNabb's signature play. He had done it numerous times. And the people that I was at the game with this past weekend, we were talking about it and going, everybody knew that play was coming, everybody but Virginia Tech. And Brominski catches the ball, and I have three busted ribs, and I am lifting a 200-pound man with three busted ribs, and I actually had to sit down because I thought I was having a heart attack. No joke. My heart was beating so fast, and I had chest pains, that I sat down on the bleachers and just sat there for 10 minutes while everybody else was jumping up and down. Such a tremendous feeling. But that would be number three. Okay. I've actually thought of one or two more that kind of come into play here. But number three, Landon Donovan, the, the goal in the 94th minute to put them in the to win, to beat Algeria – and have them move forward in the uh, what do you call it, in the World Cup in 2010. I was I was actually I think I was recovering from being sick, so I wasn't working. So I went to uh, what do you call it? Uh, man, what was the sports bar we used to go to on 82nd and 2nd on the Upper East Side? The Steelers bar. I don't know. Closed. Some Irish bar. They're always Irish bars. You know what I'm talking about, though, or no? I I do. Yeah, I think I do. Okay. And they kicked, they, uh, the U.S. had about three good shots that went off the, the pipe. And when Donovan scores the goal, you can hear screaming up and down Second Avenue for about five minutes straight. It was amazing. Now, of course, it really didn't lead to a hell of a lot because they don't, because they, you know, they, they, they stagnate at the, around the 16. But, it was as loud as I've ever heard, as I've ever seen, uh, pretty much a street, for anything short of a parade. It was ludicrous. Okay, so if I'm going to pick a highlight where I know exactly where I was, but can I pick one because I hated it rather than I loved it? Would be you can do whatever you want. Stefan, your five. Well, Stefan Matteau's goal. <laughs> he's the devil. Okay, so as an Islander fan, you knew that the 1994 Rangers were something special. And you have to understand that as an Islander fan growing up, you had two chants when you were, when you were at the games. You had one that said, 1940, which was the last time the Rangers won the Right. Then you had the Devils, which was 19, never... And those were our two chants. And we didn't have Potvin was a, an asshole. We didn't have the other chants. But, but those were our chants. Those were our chants. And you knew that's, that that Ranger team, led by Mike Keenan, 
and they got they got rid of Gardner and they got Issa Tikkanen, which as an Islander fan, you're just looking at this team going, this is a legitimate team to win the Cup, like throughout the entire year. It's my first year in college. Uh, no, sorry, my senior year in high school. And you are watching them make acquisitions left and right and saying, they got Mike Keenan, they got Mike Richter, they got Messier like a, two years before. Like, this is a team that legitimately could put away the Stanley Cup. And the Devils are up in that series. And while Islander fans hate the Devils, we don't hate the Devils anywhere close than we hate the Rangers. Rangers are Red Sox-Yankees rivalry. Devils are Yankees-Orioles. I mean, it's, it's not even close. And Matteau scoring that goal, I can do the Howie Rose impersonation because I know the goal. He goes, I'm not going to do it, but I'm going to tell you the words. He goes, Matteau, 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 Matteau. Stefan Matteau has the New York Rangers one step closer to lifting Lord Stanley's Cup. Those are the exact words that he used on that, on yep. that Sports Channel broadcast. And that is, ing- first of all, I love Howie Rose. First of all, because he's an Islander fan, then he's a Mets guy. But that call will forever be etched in my memory more than any Islander call. Although Kenny Morrow's goal against the Rangers certainly comes in there. But, yeah, Stefan Metto. Do you remember, anyway, do you remember the Kenny, do you remember the Kenny Morrow, Morrow call? All right, so here you go. So my brother, Jay, and I shared a bedroom. When we were kids, the bedroom was probably no more than 200 square feet, if that. And we had bunk beds, and we had orange carpeting. Yes, orange carpeting, something I have no idea why we had orange carpeting, but we did. There was dark orange carpeting in a line between the radio and the closet, because that is where I would pace during Islander games backwards and forwards on the radio. And when Kenny Morrow won that game against the Rangers, I was pacing back and forth in overtime, and I woke Jay up. I think Jay actually jumped with how, how loud I was. But that when we sold the house, like 20, I don't know, 10 years later, somebody came in and said, why is there, why is there carpeting that's matted in this one particular line, and my mom goes, that's where my middle son paced while, while listening to sports growing up. True story. So, yes, did I know where Kenny Hart went Did she add 10000 to the value of the house based upon that? No, but, no, but it would have been awesome if I had a pedometer at that time because I would have loved <laughs> to see how many paces during a game I took. Because right now, actually, in my apartment, I'm pacing back and forth because me being on a phone without doing anything is kind of doesn't work all that well. But I'm pacing in one position, one line, backwards and forwards, much the same way as I did that night. Okay, number four, Mr. Kamen. Yeah, I'm actually changing mine around a little bit. So, 2001, I was uh, just started grad school at GW. And I had a good friend of mine who just who was the guy who became a good friend of mine, who um, had just moved to the U.S. for grad school, 
and was not familiar with baseball. So we took him to a bar in D.C., I forget which one, to watch game four of the World of the, the Arizona-New York World Series. Where, or game five, excuse me, because after well, game four, then we actually went to game five as well, where the Yankees twice came back from 3-1 down in the bottom of the ninth against Young Young Kim. For a bar that wasn't in New York, sure seems like a New York bar. It was, it was definite. So he thought every baseball game was the, was the equivalent of those two. Um, and it was incredible. Uh, of course, they come back. Jeter wins game four for them with the home run in the uh, it becomes Mr. November. Soriano wins game five for them with a double in the uh, in the twelve in the twelfth or thirteenth. But the game, nobody really remembers unless you're from Arizona. Nobody really remembers anything other than Johnson and Schilling for Arizona. Every Yankee fan, more than ninety-seven, more than ninety-eight more than probably 2009, remembers games four and five of the, yep. uh, of, the of that World Series. Yep, I remember them bringing back the young, young Kim and saying, here we go again. I was lying on my bed going, really? They're going to go back to him? <laughs> I, also, I also, by the way, missed Luis Gonzalez's game-winning hit in that series because I was flipping back and forth between the Jets and Jets and Saints on Monday night and the World Series game, and Kyle Turley had just been thrown out of the game for throwing his helmet. And because of that, I remember. And, and because of that, I missed Luis Gonzalez's. I turned it back and I go, oh, the Yankees, the Yankees lost. Oh, goody. That's what I actually said. Oh, goody. Okay, for my final moment, I don't think this would be a surprise to anybody. When I say it, it wasn't that Syracuse won a national title because that's not a moment. A moment is Akeem Warwick blocking Michael Lee's shot. That's a moment because yep. with Syracuse de- with Syracuse up two, and the ball swinging from Kirk Heinrich to Michael Lee in the corner, and Michael Lee, for what we thought, at least those in the stands thought that Michael Lee had a wide, and I mean wide open three-point shot. And if you look at the look at the video, look at the tape, he really did for a second. And then Akeem Warwick with his arms that stretched longer than any person I've ever seen blocks the shot without fouling him. And that's what I remember. I don't necessarily – I remember them winning on the next play, but that's where the heart goes is that shot because if those – who are not fans of the Syracuse team. In 1987, on that exact same court, <laughs> Syracuse lost. Well, this was, this was the thing, right? I mean, you're going back to Avenger Demon. Yeah, on that exact same court in 1987 in New Orleans, which was 14 years before, Syracuse was up one, and Indiana comes down, and... Look, Syracuse is playing good D, and they swing the game. Swing! Oh, Derek Coleman had just missed the back end of a one and one, or missed both ends of a one and one. I think he missed so the front end of a one and one. Front end of a one and one, and Keith Smart puts him out, <laughs> and that's yeah. the game. Syracuse loses on that 
exact same court New Orleans. So it would only be befitting that Michael Lee does the same thing to Syracuse, but I, I've never, I, I've only cried at two, two, two sporting events ever. That was number two. So there you go. Okay, now, your final one. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple I could go with here. I could go with Aaron Epping Boone. Uh, I got oh, the Red yeah. Sox game seven of 2003. Because yep. I had just come home from grad school and woke up my parents screaming on it. I could go with Jason Lezak in the 2008 Olympics, which I have never screamed louder for a swimmer, which gave Michael Phelps the uh, – he's learned the fastest 100 of all time and helps, helps get, get it eight Olympic gold medals. But I'm going to go with more of a – I just remember how cool this was. I was a sophomore in college, and I was watching, or junior in college, and I was watching the, the first round of the NCAA tournament um, at, my, at my buddy's house. We were drinking some beer. I think we were smoking some weed. And <laughs> we're – Eh, I'm 43. What are they? I think the statute of limitations has run out. Um, and we're watching the Cincinnati Northern Arizona game, and they switch it over to Valpo Ole Miss, and with about 10 seconds left, and Bryce, and then of course NCC saying this is a shot. Bryce Drew has the famous. Uh, three-pointer at the buzzer, a shot that's been tried many times but never really replicated. And I just remember I was in a high-rise at Maryland at that point, and all you heard around the windows, everyone screaming at their top of their lungs, holy beep. And I just remember saying, this is one of the coolest, like, two minutes of sports I've ever seen. And you just, you just mouth was just open watching that. You know, there have been better – I mean, the Aaron Rodgers against Arizona – the back-to-back Hail Marys was better. Yep. Was insane. You know, that's one of those amazing things I've ever seen. The Aaron Boone impact, you know, had a bigger impact. Maryland winning, going to the Final Four, beating Stanford. The only time, was one of the few times I've ever cried. And my uh, girlfriend at that point turned to me and go, what a beeping, you know, what a loser, pretty much. Which may explain why we didn't really end up making it as a couple. Um, but I always remember <laughs> – just the laughter after that after that Valpo, after that Valpo game, and yep. you hearing the entire university screaming "Holy shit!" going around the entire university, around the entire apartment complex. So it's not always okay, about so we, you know as great a moment as that was, but it's more about also in a lot of ways about um, you know the impact that had on you and the, the thoughts that you have about in regards. to Agreed. Okay, so we have five minutes left. Let me go first. So, unfortunately, this week, the sports world said goodbye to two owners who passed away. Paul Allen, who, who passed away last week, and Charles Wang, who passed away yesterday. And you may know the former as the co-founder of Microsoft, and you may not know the latter at all. But let me tell you that these two gentlemen saved their respective sports for their cities. There's no two ways about it. The Seattle Seahawks were moving to Anaheim. Half of their offices were already in Anaheim when he bought the team from Ken Barron. Charles Wang, well, you may not know what team Charles Wang had, 
but he had my team. He had the New York Islanders. He was the founder of Computer Associates out of Long Island. And for a while, for a very long time, after John Pickett was the owner and was looking to sell, and then the, uh, sorry, the John Spano fiasco happened, the Islanders were ready to move to Kansas City. They were all but packed. And Charles Wang, who had seen one hockey game in his entire life before the purchase, stepped up and bought the Islanders for Long Island, not for anybody else. So, you know, you may have heard a lot more about Paul Allen than you have Charles Wang, but they did the same thing. They saved sports for their respective cities. And, Mr. Wang, I thank you. I tremendously thank you for keeping my team in this area. Okay, Seth, you're up. Well, there's a bunch of different things to talk about. We, we could talk about. I could talk about the Eric Reed Malcolm Jenkins fight, which I think we'll probably talk about next week, um, because I could talk about the Amari Cooper trade and how I think Dallas may have just pulled Roy Williams part two. Um, yep. But what I think about when I think about sports this week, because I had a very I had a rarity where I actually had a Saturday night to myself. Wife was out with friends. Kids were asleep cracked open a beer, ordered some Chinese, and I watched, I don't usually watch game day, you know, I think it's really good, but I watched the special that ESPN did on this guy, I think his name was Travis, I don't know, his name was Trevor or Travis, he was a, he's a Purdue fan who is undergoing bone cancer and has been in this, and is, you know, and they didn't think he was going to be healthy enough to go to the Purdue-Ohio State game. And kind of in the F cancer mode, they pretty much, you know, you know, they were, they willed this kid, this kid willed himself to go to Purdue, Ohio state. Purdue who hasn't won a meaningful game in 12 years since Joe Tiller was there and hasn't been to a real, to a significant bowl. I don't think since Drew Brees sent them to the Rose Bowl. Um, they beat the living crap out of number two, Ohio state to a point where it was almost laughable to watch. And they interviewed uh, the guy uh, right before, right, right, right about three minutes to go in the game where it, was in, it, was out of, it wasn't in doubt. It was 49-20 final. I think Purdue had an interception return for a touchdown in the last two minutes. And you could just kind of see the impact, you know, that this was pretty much what this, you know, with, with, this, with this boy, this is, you know, he's 20 years old, was living for at this point. There wasn't really much left. And the interview, you could see how touched he was, how touched the coach was after the game, Jeff Brom. And, you know, people say that sport, you know, sports is what it is for us. It's our escape from our reality, and we love it dearly. But from time to time, it's a little bit more. And I'm pretty sure, I think they said that he was just moved to hospice today. So, you know, as sad as I am for that, I'm truly glad he got a chance to see his team do something remarkable and that a school and a community was able to kind of rally around them. And I kind of wish the best to right. both him and his family. Seth, we got to run. So for Seth King, this is Sean Palmer. Check us out next week. Backsportspace.com. Have a great week, everybody. Have a good one.